The prohibition of marijuana and the ongoing war on the plant didn't happen overnight, and legalizing it isn't going to happen overnight either. But I'm getting a little frustrated the more I learn about these legislators and their response to the will of the voters who went to the trouble of putting together petitions and getting signatures and passing initiatives. When it comes to them fulfilling their obligation to put regulations on legalization, they seem to have completely missed the message. The point of marijuana legalization wasn't to decriminalize a plant. It wasn't whether or not a plant was legal or not. The plant could give a shit. The plant doesn't care whether it's legal or not. The plant grows, and if you chop it down, it'll grow somewhere else. Plants aren't currently losing their rights. Plants aren't currently being incarcerated. Plants, while they may be chopped down, uh, don't really feel it like people do. The point of legalization, that is, isn't to legalize the plant, but to legalize the people who use that plant. Legalize the people to make what they are doing with that plant legal. To end punishment, sanction, or discrimination against those people who are using the plant. Let me give you a few examples. Like Nevada, state of Nevada, is currently wrestling with the idea of on-site consumption or social clubs or pot lounges, whatever you want to call it. And currently, like the rest of the states, don't have any sort of social consumption area. So that leaves people who are visitors to Las Vegas or Reno or any other place in Nevada uh, who don't own their own property there. It leaves them no place to use their marijuana. Can't smoke it in the hotels. You can't smoke it on the street. And Nevada went to the trouble of making it a misdemeanor offense with a $600 fine if you're caught smoking marijuana in public. So yes, the plant is legal. The plant can exist in your hand. You just can't do anything with it. So what kind of legalization is that? Again, we're not legalizing a plant. we got to legalize what the people are doing with the plant. And what people want to do with that plant is smoke a joint. They want to share a bowl. They want to pull a bong rip. They want to pass a vape pen. They want to commune with others. That's why this social club issue is so important in this scheme of things when we're talking about legalization. In the news, I talked about the state of Maine, whose regulators are not carving out any sort of exception to the state's Clean Air Act to allow for indoor smoking or vaping at a marijuana lounge. Now, at least Maine has gone to the step of accepting that there needs to be a marijuana social club. There, there has to be a place for people to gather together and use marijuana. Why? Because that's what this is about. Legalizing what the people do with marijuana. If you legalize marijuana but give people no place to use it, they'll find a place to use it. We always have. We did it when we were facing the threat of incarceration, loss of our stuff, destruction of our life. Now that it's legal and the worst we can get is a ticket, you don't think we're going to get together and gather and smoke somewhere? We're going to keep doing it. And so all you're going to do is manufacture a whole bunch of petty fines and, oh, ah, yeah. Now you get it, don't you?
See, if there's no marijuana social club, then you get to catch people that are smoking marijuana in public. You get to still keep your thumb down on black and brown people, keep your thumb down on young people, keep your thumb down on people that might have some agitation to offer the system. Because public smoking is still illegal. See, what the people do with the marijuana is still illegal, so we can still bust the people with the marijuana. Or, you know, my state of Oregon is the same thing. You know, we got this Clean Air Act that the purpose of the Clean Air Act is written in, you know, they, they begin these laws with the wherefore, wherefore, whereas, you know, because this, because that. And then that outlines the reason why we're making this law. In the Oregon Clean Air Act, and I'm, I'm going to bet, I'll go out on a limb and bet the main one is similar. The Clean Air Act lays out all these rationales, which is because science has shown that secondhand tobacco smoke can be harmful to people, and because we have people that work, you know, bartenders and waitresses and servers and cooks and such that work in places full of smoke, they're being subject to this danger that we've proven through science, and yada, 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 that's why we're banning smoking. Okay? So you got a clean air act that bans smoking because we've got this scientific evidence that says secondhand smoke is bad. Now, we can argue about that secondhand evidence as to whether or not it is valid uh, as to how harmful it really is. We can also argue about, a, from a libertarian perspective, whether or not people ought to have the choice as to whether or not to work in a place that allows smoking. Much like we offer people the choice to be nuclear lab technicians, stunt car drivers, or work in a coal mine. You know, dangerous op op uh, uh, occupations. So, for forget those arguments for a second. We've got these Clean Air Acts that are built on the idea, on the platform, that, that tobacco smoking is proven to be harmful. The secondhand smoke from it is proven to be harmful. In Oregon's case, they went and shoehorned in, through an amendment, through a, a bill, they shoehorned in tobacco and cannabinoids, like they just added those words and cannabinoids into this bill. Now, they didn't add any, any extra new rationales that said, well, because science has shown secondhand cannabis smoke is bad, or because science has shown that secondhand cannabis vapor is bad. No. A, bill, a law built on the rationale of the science of secondhand tobacco being bad is now being used to ban cannabis smoke and vaporizing. So that's, this is how perverted the law becomes when you get these legislators who are still convinced in their heart of hearts that marijuana is bad, drugs are bad, okay, and they want to just use the existing clumsy tools at their disposal, like these clean air acts, to just keep it banned, keep it down. And then the sheer hypocrisy in that main story where we talked about how Maine law allows an exception to that clean air act for cigar bars. Oregon's law does the same thing. So let me get this straight. We got a, a law that bans smoking indoors because science has shown that smoking is bad and indoor smoking leads to secondhand smoke, which is bad. So we have to ban tobacco smoking indoors and then we'll use that to justify cannabis smoking indoors. But you can go ahead and smoke tobacco indoors if it's a cigar bar. Really? <laughs> so there's an exception to the science, but there's a justification that has no science behind it when it talks about these, these bans. Now, the problem with this is, again, we're not legalizing the plant. we got to legalize what the people do with the plant and what people do with marijuana since time immemorial is have smoke sessions. They hang out in circles. They pass a joint. Or they pass a pipe around with each other. And, and to 
to think that this is so controversial and problematic in a society that has in every town numerous places for the express purpose of drinking alcohol and getting high on that and socializing with people. Can you imagine the fallout if we tried to propose an alcohol law that said you could, oh yeah, you can purchase your alcohol, but only a limited amount, maybe a six pack or maybe just a, a little uh, a fifth, a little, even less than a fifth, uh, one of them little, little flasks of alcohol, and, and you can't drink it here and you can't take it anywhere to drink. You can only take it to the home you own, and of course, if you rent, people can ban whether or not you can drink at home, so, but, but if you own your own home, you could, can you imagine Trying to pass something like that and the, and the outcry we would get. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the I Am Canvas Sativa podcast. I am your host, Canvas Sativa. If you're currently a medical marijuana patient and want to tell your story and be featured on the podcast, feel free to email me at IamCanvasSativa at gmail.com. Feel free to hit me up on Instagram at IamCanvasSativa. Feel free to check out our official Twitter account at I see Sativa podcast. You can also find and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Anchor FM, Stitcher, and the Google Play Music Store. Please rate and review us on iTunes as rating and reviewing us will bump up the pod on their algorithm and put this podcast in front of even more eyeballs. If you like what we are doing, please become a Patreon and support us. We are planning on doing big things with our humble little projects such as going to trade shows, visiting other MMJ or recreational states, and doing on-field work. By supporting us, this helps us to keep the lights on, pay for rent, pay for hosting, equipment, and travel. And you can do this by going to https colon slash slash anchor dot fm slash i am cannabis sativa podcast slash support again that is https colon slash slash anchor dot fm slash i am cannabis sativa podcast slash support as you guys know i read articles from like all over the internet about what's going on with the marijuana scene and legal marijuana in the U.S. and even across the world. And um, I saw something that I felt that I had to address. Um, I, I read an article from the Montreal Gazette about um, what's going on in Montreal. And um, and it really relates to the cold open. Um, the cold open, I mean, I don't usually do eight-minute cold opens, but... Um, I really felt that um, the speaker, um, and oh, it's from the um, podcast, The Marijuana Agenda, from by, by Russ Belleville. And, um, I mean, his podcast obviously predates mine. Um, he, he, he's, he's been a mar- marijuana advocate and activist for quite a long time, and he owns a bud and breakfast in Portland, Oregon, I believe, uh, Delta Nine House. But um, he's a very savvy. Uh, he he's a very savvy cannabis activist and and podcaster. And I learned a lot from his podcast. And you know, I I kind of got my passion for these uh, these these no smoke or these public anti these public consumption uh, things that these legal states are doing. He really sort of opened my eyes to it, and he explained it better than I ever could. And, um, I mean, I apologize for the audio being a bit, audio on that being a bit, uh, 
subpar. Um, I had to record it from my, um, from my phone. Um, I had, like, a recording app on my phone recording the audio. Um, like, he, he shut down his podcast in September, so most of the episodes were, like, scrubbed off the internet. And I was only able to get it, I think, through, like, through... Yeah, I think it was like through Spotify or something like that, or some some random platform, and I had to just record it on my phone like that. So, apologize for the audio, but you you still should be able to make it out and get the main points out of it. So, I'm gonna read this article from the Montreal Gazette, and then I'm gonna speak my piece a bit more about it. New cannabis rules aren't fair to Montrealers, Mayor Valerie Plant says. Existing legislation already reflects Montreal's reality, she says. An increase to the legal age for consumption isn't necessary. Montreal's mayor, Valerie Plant, is calling for the Quebec government to to back away from its plans to tighten the rules of public consumption of cannabis. In a brief to be presented Tuesday evening to a committee at of the legislature studying the proposed new rules, Plant says the existing legislation adopted by the previously liberal government responds to Montreal's reality perfectly. Plant has said in the past that the new rules included in Bill 2, tabled by the junior health minister Lionel Carmant in December, do not respect Montreal's situation and are a direct violation of the principle of municipal autonomy. She has also already said Montreal opposes the clause of the bill that proposes to increase the legal age for consumption from 18 to 21. And and she says new restrictions on where cannabis can be consumed in public hits Montrealers hard. By by expanding the list of places where you cannot consume to include parks and festivals as the bill proposes, people will have no place no place to use it since landlords can already ban it in rental units. That hurts Montreal where sixty percent of residents are renters. It also means increased policing costs for the city as it attempts to enforce the wider ban. Montreal will thus request that it be exempt from the bill's requirements. The committee now heads into the second week of examining the bill. It got off to a rough start with many groups cancelling their appearances. The opposition has already criticized the committee's work, describing the hearings as bonus because it's clear the minister has no intention on changing his mind on anything in the bill. End of article. So, you know, I'm glad that they're having this conversation in Montreal, and that, you know, that they that they just have this conversation a whole lot better in, in Canada as a whole than, than down, down uh, south stateside. Because, in like I had mentioned in previous podcasts, all ten of these legal states and D.C. forbid public consumption, and give discretion to, to landlords to ban it in their in their place. And like Russ explained, like Radical Russ explained, you know, 
the sleeves renters and 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 tourists without places to use you know you've in effect just legalized the plant but you didn't legalize the things that the people are doing with it you know it's this atomized this atomized rugged individualist approach to cannabis legalization you know that we have in the states is I don't know, like like I've said, it just leaves a lot to be desired. And I'm glad that there's a conversation being had on this. And, and kudos to Va- Valor- to Mayor Montreal Mayor Valerie Plant bringing this to attention. It's great. Like, I, I harp on lawmakers all the time in this podcast. And when lawmakers are completely full of it, and when, when they both ignore the will of their people and act and... and, and make rules on cannabis with none but contempt for the people that use it. I reel on those types all the time. But when a, when, when a, a, a elected official does something good for the people, I, I, I do try to give them credit when I can. And kudos to Mayor, Mayor Plant for looking out for her, 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 her residents and her residents who are renters, especially, you know. So the I mean, if if Montreal goes through with ramming these rules through, renters are gonna renters are gonna have no place to consume but in public, and then they're going to get all these tickets and citations, and then, but, you know, the vast majority won't get those tickets and citations. They'll just stop using cannabis entirely. They'll be like, no, you know, using cannabis isn't worth it because I'm 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 gonna get ticketed or. I'm gonna I'm gonna lose my home and become homeless, you know. And then you find in, in a lot of these legal markets that you know a lot of people that are recreational consumers aren't just consuming it to go to a concert or go to a music festival or an art art museum or whatever and, and have a good time, but they're using it to treat pain or to treat illnesses. You know, I don't remember the number off the top of my head, but a large percentage of people, that's that's what they go into these adult use shops to do, to treat pain. And so many people are not going to have the opportunity to, to treat pain and medicate if this passes through because, you know, they're not going to have a place to use. You know, like I, I remember reading like a thing in like the Boston Globe or one of those papers in, in my legal grass Massachusetts. You know, 54% of us have voted to make cannabis use legal for adults over the age of 21. But only 20% of adults in Massachusetts are regular users. You know, why is why is there a 34% gap? You know, and we all know why. You know, if you listen to this podcast and you're, you're, you're an activist or you're at you're active and 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 well versed in the rules of of cannabis and whatnot and 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 the reefer magnus and the stigmas and laws around it you know part of it's because people are piss tested for their jobs part of it's because their landlord prohibits cannabis use you know part of it is because people are, are believe reefer madness and are stuck in their ways part of it is because so many there there are people that you know canvas doesn't drive with and you know they've tried it and given it a fair shake and you know they just don't it just gives them bad times every time they do it and i respect that decision you know don't get me wrong 
and then there's people that are that are just you know that that look down on cannabis users and you know they don't use it for those reasons so i i mean i feel like that explains away that 34% number but you can you can cut that number down a whole lot like I mean, you can get tw- you can get that twenty percent number a lot higher. You know, it's like I- I'd be surprised if less than seventy percent of adults didn't dr- less than seventy percent of adults drink out al- alcohol. If it was less than seventy percent, I'd be very surprised. But we can get that number at at, pre- at parity with the. Um, at, with the um with with the alcohol drinker number you know if if we got rid of the barrier of, of people having places to consume you know that really underscores why this is a priority why I continue to harp and reel about it you know it's just i don't know in, in this like i feel like in the US we're just so individualistic and atomized in our mindsets that we wouldn't even have this as a discussion, you know, like part part of why there's just a lot of obstruction in legal states, you know, in my state, you know, and Colorado and just a whole bunch of other places, you know, a bunch of towns ban cannabis and, you know, ban it in their borders and stuff, you know, it's just... You know, it's because it's because of reefer madness and, and and nimbyism and people, you know, wanting to protect their theirs and their own and in pursuit of protecting theirs and their own and like oh don't don't I don't want to smell cannabis or whatever I don't want too much cannabis around me because it's going to drop my property values or you know it's going to bring in the wrong type of people or you know think of the children sort of whatever you know or what and i just feel as a whole in the society in, in in the us we're just a whole lot more puritanical than canada and and overseas and, and i mean in in and over in europe as well so it's people are like oh you, you know having tobacco having cannabis being able to be used anywhere tobacco can be used you know, it's not like a popular talking discussion, but in a lot of Canadian provinces, that's the norm, you know, you, you know, it, it occurred, I mean, there's just so much said about the, the corporate takeover and like the, uh, regulatory capture going on in Canada with, with Trudeau putting cops in charge of it. But one thing that Canada did get right, you know, as evidenced in, in, this article, the mindset of this bear, the mindset of a lot of other people in Canada is that they allowed to they allowed cannabis to be smoked anywhere tobacco could be smoked because they anticipate people, renters and, and tourists not having places to use if they weren't homeowners. And they were considerate of the fact that not everyone is in a financial position to own property, you know? You know, I mean, everyone should have access and have places to use. And, you know, it's, I mean, people are more, I guess, enlightened and progressive in Canada. And the fact that they can, that this, that this is, that they're having this discussion and that there, there are law, law, law officials willing to go to bat for their people and 
willing to protect their people from getting tickets and citations and you know having places to use you know like 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 I said in a previous podcast in Washington DC you know they they legalized a couple of years back but 90% of the people that still get tickets for cannabis related things are are people of color are black people because and like I said, I'd venture to guess it's because they they rent and they don't have a place to use, so they use it in public and then they get cited by by cops. You know, it's it's just another it's just a backdoor way of continuing prohibitions harsh harsh effects on people of color. That's my opinion. You know. Maybe you can accuse me of wearing a tinfoil hat, but I'm, I'll probably wear that hat. I really think that, you know, that indirectly that's what's continuing to happen. And the, I guess that wraps up what I have to say about um, about the story. Um, as always, check out our podcast on all the platforms we mentioned at the beginning of the episode. You know, you can you can uh, you can support the podcast on an anchor. Um, it's anchor. It's it. The we we put the uh, link at the beginning of the podcast. Um, you know, let me let me give it to you. Let me give you the link once more before I close it out. Just one moment. Bear with me one sec. It is anchor. fm slash I am cannabis sativa podcast, and to support this podcast is. You, so I mean, you just go to the you just go to the link I gave you, and then you'll see a, a purple support this podcast button. And as always, stay medicated, my friends.